Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Chosen Brew podcast. The podcast where guests talk their way through the six beers that changed everything. I'm your host Ian McNally and in this episode I'm talking to Casey Wagner from Westside Aleworks. Casey came over from America about four years ago and has only recently opened Westside Aleworks in South Melbourne. When I asked Casey to do the podcast, he said that he wasn't a very natural speaker and uh, he was a man of few words, but I think he played an absolute blinder on the podcast, if that's the case. It's clear that he's very passionate about his craft and also the hospitality side of things that goes with it. I'm not going to tell you too much now. Let's get into it. Today I have Casey from Westside Aleworks in South Melbourne. Welcome Casey. Thanks Ian, it's great to be here. So Casey, start us off, what is Westside Aleworks? It sounds industrial. Uh, Westside Aleworks is just kind of, um, I guess, my love for, for craft beer and particularly the west coast of the US style. Um, so that's, that's why it's Westside. We're not physically located on the west side of Melbourne or anything like that. We're over here in the South Melbourne. but. Um, I just kind of moved to Australia about four years ago, and, and while I was here, I really kind of immersed myself in the, the culture, and, and I love beer, and I've really seen the scene just kind of take off over a short amount of time, and, and in particular, uh, hoppy beers are becoming more and more popular, so as an avid home brewer for more than 10 years, you know, the wheels got turning, and I've been in the hospitality industry for a long time, but, you know, I thought I could maybe start something myself, a small brewery, but, you know, it'd have to be uh, small enough to, for one person to manage and that's kind of you know th- what I've created here and it's really just a, a local fresh craft beer option for the residents in this area uh, we're really close to the CBD so we attract people from that area as well as like Port Melbourne and South Melbourne and kind of around the the, the suburbs there but um, yeah it's, it's been really great so far we've been open three months and people seem to really enjoy it and um, I'm having a, a good time too well, as you're talking to somebody who's never been uh, to the west coast of uh, America, I have been to the east coast, but uh, never to the west coast, sadly. W- what is the special about the west coast and, and the vibe, and what are you trying to create here? Well, I, I grew up in uh, Seattle, Washington, which is kind of the, the, the top north corner there. And, um, you know, the style of, of craft beer was was around even when I was younger, and and really it's kind of more of a, a malty amber st- style ales and um, kind of full flavored stuff to, to kind of match with like the seafood there. Um, and so I really kind of fell in love with that. You know, I, I grew up in a in a household where my dad's favorite beer was Budweiser regular. And, you know, whenever I was allowed to have a sip at the table, like I, I hated it. I never <laughs> liked it. So um, when I finally did get to try some some good craft beer in Seattle, you know, I really fell in love with it pretty quickly. and. Um, started seeking out more and more types and trying to learn more about it. And um, then, you know, I, I moved down to Southern California for about 10 years and then really got into the, the hop forward culture of craft beer down there, specifically in San Diego area and, and, and Northern California. Um, so I just really kind of fell in love with the entire West Coast, um, including the, the good beers in, in Oregon as well. Excellent. And w- 
Is it true that uh, some of the uh, young folk in Seattle would sneak across the border to Vancouver to because the age <laughs> limit for drinking was less than what it was in the U.S.? Yes, I was definitely guilty of doing that a few times myself. And, um, it? you know, it was, it was a short drive, about two hours from, from Seattle. And uh, it's, it's a fun environment up there in Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, the drinking age is 18, so that doesn't hurt. <laughs> so, can, uh, I love the way that convenience could be only two hours away. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about perspective. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing here at um, Westside Ale Works in terms of what beers are you creating and kind of what, what scale as well, because I think it's quite interesting that I'm looking around the room here um, and it is quite small scale, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Have you said it that it's idea you did that on purpose so that you can manage right. every part of the operation? Right. So tell us about what beers you're creating and, and how that process, um, yeah, you sure. know, the day to day. I kind of wanted to have something for everyone, but then also styles of beer that I really enjoy to drink. Um, so I, I did kind of tailor some of my recipes that I've been tinkering with over the years to kind of fit what I thought the Australian market would, would want to drink. Um, so some of my, my pale ales I might have made a little bit lighter than I normally probably would have and a little bit less lo- alcohol. But, um, you know, I wanted to have a, a, a wide array of beers, something for, for everyone. So the entry-level craft beer fan, you know, I've got a, a lighter pale ale just for them. And uh, then I've also got a full-flavored um, higher potency uh fully hoppy you know pale ale that i call electric socks that really kind of punches you in the the face with with (laughs) those hops and um it's it's definitely one of my favorite beers and then i've got uh you know a red ipa which probably the red ipa is probably my my favorite style of beer Um, so i knew i had to have one of those on the list and uh, the amber ales probably the first craft beer that i fell in love with so i wanted to have an amber ale and uh, double IPA. Um, I, I like the boundaries of the double IPA. It can really push with hops, and um, I don't make typical styles of double IPAs. I really kind of pack the hops in later in the boil rather than mm. at the beginning, so you're not just getting hit with a overly bitter beer. It's actually got a lot of flavor at the end and, and a nice aroma. Um, and then uh, outside of probably West Coast craft beer, I say my favorite style is German, um, followed closely by Belgian. So I, I've got a, a session vice um, currently on offer too as a seasonal. And yeah, that kind of rounds out our, our current offerings. We've got nine beers on tap. I plan on going up to about 11 here soon. But yeah, the brewery is relatively small. I mean, the idea was that I would be able to manage it myself. So I, I couldn't have a huge warehouse with high overhead. Um, I had to choose equipment that took up a low floor space. Um, which which the Braumeister 500 is what I have, and that that fits the bill pretty pretty well. Uh, I've also got a uh, uni tanks for fermenting and carbonating, so again uh, less labor for me in terms of having to transfer to another tank and clean out two vessels. It's all in one. Um, and then uh, currently, yeah, all the beer is super fresh and never leaves the the brewery. I, I don't uh, wholesale out at all at the moment, and um, you know, as soon as a customer comes in, they know exactly where the beer's been and. And I serve it for them, and, and they get to taste that fresh beer firsthand and see the difference. Yeah, it is. There is something quite fantastic. I think there's probably just over a meter between the equipment and the tap, which is very reassuring, I think, for the consumer, mm-hmm. um, but quite exciting as well for consumers who might not necessarily be used to um, thinking about the process that beer goes through and also you've put a cap on every bottle and you've put the labels on the bottles yeah. and it's your hard work. So yes. you're actually 
you must feel pretty proud putting it across absolutely. and seeing people in, enjoying it. No, absolutely, and it's been very humbling to, to see that people actually like what I'm offering. And uh, you know, as a home brewer without a professional background, I, I took a risk in, in doing this, but um, I'd say so far it's it's been a great experience, and I've really enjoyed every minute of it. And you know, a lot of people come in here and they say, "Was the beer brewed here? Where did you brew it at? Are they all yours?" And I always say, yeah, you know, I, I do everything. Like, you name it, I do it. I scrub the toilets, you know, mop the floors, fill the bottles, do all the brewing, you know, order all the supplies, and then pour in the beer. So, and record um, podcasts as well. Yeah, I do a podcast. <laughs> so, it's, it's been a lot in three months, but it's been, a, it's been a great ride so far. So it's quite a diverse area that we're in, South mm-hmm. Melbourne. Um, so who's coming in? Who, it, because uh, when I walked here, we walked past a lot of car yards and um it's it kind of is the natural place for a brewery perhaps not a natural place for a hospitality offering but it is if it's classically san diego maybe it's classically melbourne that you (laughs) have to walk past a lot of things and to to get and find the door to get there um what type of people are coming in well i'd say we get kind of a mixture because we're open thursday to sunday so usually on like a thursday and a friday we'll get some of the local businesses um, they'll either come in for lunch or they'll come in after work for a few beers and you know socialize with their coworkers. Um, and then on the weekend we get kind of a, a mix of people going to the South Melbourne Market and then stopping by, or uh, over at the convention center or the CBD or you know just Bay Street, you know somewhere somewhere close by. So usually we get more more families and um, people out on a journey on the weekend. Um, but uh, we, we are so close to the CBD, which was well, definitely my goal, and that's why I incorporated the city skyline and the, the logo, because I, I wanted to have a brewery that was close to the CBD, because I felt like that wasn't really represented in Melbourne, and, and most of the breweries are in the outskirts. So, um, yeah, no, it's been, even though there isn't a, a high level of housing right around here, it's been, you know, supported pretty well, and, and there are high-rises going up right now, so mm. it sh- sh- should only get better. Yeah, and I think um, the offerings in the CBD tend to be very... Um, slick and shiny and there's something really nice about this rustic homemade you can meet the brewer who Mm -hmm. serves you the beer Um, there's something really nice about that as something as a you know not having to go into the city and have all this slick slickness to uh, to the offering so um, well we're here to for you to talk your way through the six beers that changed everything for you what what was your first choice for the beer that changed everything Um, I'd say my first one I, that I chose was um, kind of hard, but then also pretty easy. It's not a beer that I, I really seek out now in my life, but it was the first craft beer that I had, and it definitely changed my mind about beer because, like I said before, my first experience with beer was just kind of the light, light lagers, and I wasn't a big fan of beer. So um, it's uh, Red Hook ESB, which um, is from a, a big brewery in Seattle, but uh, kind of one of the pioneers up there. In terms of craft and um, you know it's a nice malty beer not not too heavy not too light and uh, just has a nice you know flavor flavor to it that I, that I enjoyed uh, I think it has a little bit of like residual sweetness that was more interesting to me than a lager for sure so I kind of you know my eyes popped open when I first tried that one and then there was kind of no turning back from there but um, I also had my my 21st birthday party at Red Hook Brewery so um, it does, yeah, hold a special place, I guess, um, for that as well. Wow, a 21st birthday in the U.S. must be quite special. 
uh, not the first legal drink <laughs> so you can you can go and that's uh so when you're around that age um was it unusual for 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 younger people to be drinking uh, a craft beer or was yeah the, was i mean the mar- what was the market saturation for I'd say most people my age were probably drinking the, what was ever cheapest because they didn't have much money. But mm. um, I, craft beer was starting to take off in Seattle, so I think there was a lot more, you know, people talking about it and, and seeing it in the stores. Um, there weren't a whole lot of bottle shops back in that had craft beer, but um, you were starting to see it, you know, more and more in restaurants and and, and bars mm. and and uh, you know grocery stores and things like that. So. Um, I just was kind of curious more than anything else because I knew I didn't like beer at the time and wanted to see what else is out there. Yeah, I think that's a revelation a lot of us come to where we don't like the beer that we think we sh- we're supposed to like and mm-hmm. all the marketing tells us that we should. And we yeah. feel a bit, I don't know, particularly being male, maybe we feel a bit less of a, of a man for not <laughs> uh, liking, you know, whatever the uh, macho offering was on. Right. Um, so excellent so that opened your eyes that changed things where did we go from there or did you immediately kind of go oh, i'm gonna seek out lots of others or i'm never drinking um budweiser again or, <laughs> well, or did you look in your pockets and think maybe i will drink <laughs> mainstream again uh it wasn't hard for me to uh forget about budweiser and the, and the loggers <laughs> but uh, no, I was I was definitely interested after that um, in, in craft beer, and then I started seeking out what else was on offer in that area. Um, and probably one of the most popular at the time was um, was Mac and Jack's uh, African Amber Ale, which is uh, actually from some home brewers in Seattle, and they started it in their early early 90s. And they didn't bottle at all, just 100% draft um, to pubs and restaurants, and and it had like a real cult following in Seattle and. Uh, it, it does go really well with kind of the, the seafood and, and the cuisine up there in the Northwest. Um, so I'd say that one was like a staple in most, you know, good bars and, and, and craft brewery restaurants. So um, I, I really liked that beer. And then I'd say probably the one I, I sought out the most was um, from Rogue, which is out of uh, Oregon. Um, their Dead Guy Ale, which is kind of an amberish style ale, but then also um, they call it like a German Maybach. So it's not really a German yeast, so it's kind of a hybrid, you know, beer, but um, it's it's got nice multi flavor to it, and it also hides the alcohol fairly well because it's it's a pretty potent beer, which wasn't very normal back then. Um, so I, I like that as well. So I, let's say those were two that you know I would seek out on a regular basis, and and probably for a long time, Dead Guy was my favorite beer. And so Rogue Dead Guy, that's that's your second choice. Yep. And the other one, uh, the Mac and Jacks, but that was only available on on tap. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, that's a you, we maybe we can put that in as two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we can have a maybe we can have a sneaker pot into the six pack there. Sure. Um, but the Rogue the Rogue Dead Guy Ale is quite widely available in mm-hmm. Australia. So for anyone listening in Australia, you can um, try and source that. Is there anything about the a big craft brewery like Rogue? Is there anything w- that you're trying to emulate in uh, Westside Aleworks, or are you determined to be very small? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say that the amber that I I, I brew is very uh, Northwestern style, um, and it's kind of modeled a little bit after you know Rogue, a little bit after Red Hook, and some of the first ambers that I, I fell in love with, and 
Um, it's not very fruity. It's all, you know, citrusy and, and pine, and that's kind of the Northwest signature up there for their hops. Um, so, yeah, I'd say the style that I, I brew is really kind of similar to some of the ambers that mm. you get up in the Pacific Northwest. Excellent. Okay, let's go through it. Let's choice three. Well, uh, choice three was um, something I came across um, after a few years at uh, uni. I, I transferred down to Southern California and um, uh, to kind of pay the bills. I was working at a local bottle shop there, and it was it was actually a pretty big operation. They had just about every beer around the world that you know they could get their hands on. So um, my my whole paycheck usually went to bottles of beer after after work. So. Uh, I think I got through all the beers there, and, and one of the ones that really kind of stood out to me was actually just a, a seasonal offering, and it was from uh, Alesmith Brewery in San Diego. Uh, it's called Yule Smith, and it's uh, a double red IPA. Um, they put it out around Christmas time because it's, it's their winter warmer. It's high alcohol, it's high hops, uh, a lot of pine flavor. So, you know, you instantly think of like a Christmas tree when you, when you drink this beer and when you smell it and get that aroma. Um, but yeah, it just, it was so amazing to me, like the amount of flavor that was in it. Um, it was still had a little bit of residual sweetness from all the crystal malt in there and then the high alcohol, um, but it just had so much flavor in it. And I, I hadn't tasted anything like that before with that much hops in a, in a beer. So, uh, that instantly made me a, a lover of, of hoppy beers. And I kind of was seeking out, out what else I could find that was even, you know, what was higher than that? What, what could top that? And it was kind of a a quest from there i think yeah actually on a, a previous podcast with uh scott from aussie brewery tours he spent time in the u.s and he was talking about uh the emphasis on uh seasonal beers and the fact that they come out but then they stop and they they are strictly limited mm-hmm. and as you said there that um that that sort of signified winter and it was a winter ale yep. um what seasonal brews are you, uh, is that your style here as well to brew some some seasonal things yeah for sure so uh, obviously the warmer weather i have a, a lighter style german uh, session vice currently on offer but uh, i've got a, a porter coming up here pretty soon for my next seasonal um and i've got a few others you know planned but i I'm, i might do a double red that's similar to that that beer I've been working on a recipe for a while that kind of emulates it, but I've never, I've never 100% cloned it yet. Mm. So um, I'm still working on that. But if I get it right, I'll definitely try and put that out, like in the, in the colder months, especially in Melbourne, because I think it'll be a kind of a fun beer for people to try and uh, something that I really enjoyed on on a colder month. Yeah, and I suppose being a small brewery, what's the capacity that you can do in a, in one brew? Uh, I currently do about 400 liters of finished beer, mm. um, but it can go up to about five five fifty um i could double mash and put it into both fermenters if i wanted to and go even bigger than that but i, I currently do about 400 to 500 liters finished beer so that kind of limits you in one respect but also it gives you the flexibility to do uh seasonal brews and, mm-hmm. and one-offs and mm-hmm. things um do is that the way you see like to build a bit of excitement around sure. the brewery and um yeah i mean a lot of the, the breweries that i spent time in especially in san diego i mean you go down there and they would have three four or five offerings that weren't available in bottle shops or stores or pubs so um you know it's kind of your reward for making it to the brewery and trying out something new and something innovative um so yeah definitely i, I actually plan on ramping it up to about 11 different brews here on tap uh, pretty soon so i've currently got nine but I've got a few more in the, in the works here um, very soon. So I'd say by, probably by May, I'll have 11 on tap. Excellent. So uh, people coming along to the brewery here, 
Um, how, what choice have they got? How many beers can they choose from, and, and, and what type of offering they can get? Well, we've got uh, five core beers that I finally got all done uh, about a few weeks ago, and um, you know that's the uh, the two pale ales, one light, one heavier, and then uh, the red IPA, the amber ale, the double IPA. Uh, so those are the kind of the ones that you can get year round. Um, they've been tough to keep in bottles because there's been a lot of demand for them, but um, usually year round in bottles as well, but definitely on tap. And then you know outside of that, I'll always have a rotating seasonal. Um, and then uh, currently I have different versions of those core beers on offer. So uh, a few um, slightly different recipes, but kind of similar to some of my core beers. So there's a little bit more of a, a variety, I guess, in terms of what we have. And then I've got some pretty big beers planned, like a American Strong Ale, over 9% alcohol here pretty soon. And uh, also a Belgian Triple. That's, that's very traditional Belgian Triple. And then I... I threw my West Side Ale Works twist on there and threw some American hops at the end, so it'll have uh, a little bit more flavor and aroma from hops, but also a, a classic uh, Belgian triple at the same time. You're open from uh, Thursday to Sunday. You presumably are working very hard in the interim there, Monday to Wednesday, and um, you, your background's in hospitality. What were you doing before you were brewing beer? So before I was brewing beer, I was primarily in the, the hotel industry. Um, right after the bottle shop job, I, I started on hotels and I was working at a, um, a big uh, Sheraton hotel in, in Disneyland area. So that's kind of where I learned all about hospitality and kind of worked my way up um, from working at the bar to the front desk to you know supervising employees. And then um, after that, I, I got into management with Hilton and managed front office operations for about 10 years to a little bit over 10 years and that kind of took me all over so I went uh, all over Southern California and then over to Hawaii and then the Midwest and then uh, transferred here to the Hilton South Wharf and I was uh, at that property for a little bit over three years and um, yeah so I had I had a good ride with Hilton but it also kind of taught me a lot of business sense and, and hospitality sense so I think uh, I definitely use that approach here and, and try and create a, a nice environment for customers and also give them great service. And I, I'm a big believer that great service brings people back. And, and I, I think we've had a lot of uh, repeat business since I've been open, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have that. Yeah. And was it one of those things where you were kind of doing your shifts in the hotel and you were thinking about doing this? Uh, very, very much so. I mean, how I, long was this? I, I planned on doing this for probably a little bit over <laughs> two years. And uh, the approval process and finding the warehouse, you know, took a very long time. And I didn't want to rush things. I wanted it to be right. So luckily I had that job to kind of, you know, keep me busy and pay the bills. And then uh, once the, the time was right and I got everything done and all approvals in place, then, you know, so long hospitality and <laughs> hello uh, brewery. So uh, it wasn't too tough of a decision for me to, to leave. But... Um, I think I was getting a little bit bored and, and burnt out with hospitality, so I wanted something new and a new challenge, and I like beer, and Australians seem to like beer, so <laughs> why not? That seems a very good equation. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, listeners. Apologies for the background noise. It is one of the problems of recording a beer podcast that you do end up inevitably recording in industrial premises where there are a lot of background noises. I've tried to filter as much as I could out and there are one or two strange sounds going on in the background but 
Um, hopefully that doesn't distract too much from what's going on. It's a great conversation I'm having with Casey here, and he's, he's coming up. He's got some really good insights, particularly about ballast points, which uh, I just did not know about their backstory. So hold on for that one. That's going to be really nice to listen to. And also stick around to the end because you'll find out who is coming up in the next episode, which is another belter. So let's get back to the episode. So Casey, we, we just had a quick break there because we, we tried the uh, the rogue dead guy ale, which was uh, went down a treat. And um, this brings us on to your fourth choice. My fourth choice is um, for my adventures in, in uh, San Diego County. And um, I moved down there and I was just pretty blown away with how many breweries were, were close by. And um, I was used to a lot of wine tasting vineyards and places like that in California, but not so much breweries. And um, so, you know, very close to where I was living I had all these, you know, Stone and Alesmith and Ballast Point and Green Flash and Coronado and Mission and you know, list keeps going on and on and Lost Abbey and Alpine and all these lightning, all these, all these great breweries. And, you know, I'd spend all weekend, you know, just trying them all out and, and going to visit and, and seeing what's different from each, each venue to venue. And, um, they, they all had great IPAs. I mean, that was like the, the thing that stood out to me, but, um, you know, every, every brew was different and every brewery had a different vibe and different offerings. And it was just a really cool scene in San Diego. So, um, my next one is, is actually, uh, from Ballast Point, which I started going there because I had a, I had a kegerator at home and I'd go out and get commercial beers and, um, bring them back home to dispense. And, and one of my favorite places to go was Ballast Point for their, their core range. And, I was very familiar with the core range and, and one day I was going to pick up like a standard cake from them and I noticed that they had this new beer on tap and it was called Sculpin and it was a, a big IPA so I was like yeah let's try it and um, I've never had a beer quite like it before and and it just had so much different layers of hop uh, flavor to it from citrus to mango to apricot and you really like as you sipped it you would get each one of those flavors um as it went down and it was really really unique i've never had anything like it before um so that's definitely you know played a big part in and to, to my liking of of uh hop forward beers and i've always kind of tried to recreate something similar to it so um it's it's been one of my my favorite beers for a long time and um you know i think i think recently with their their purchase and their takeover they've probably tweaked the recipe a little bit and now it tastes more like a, a standard ipa to me and um, I think they probably cut out some of those expensive hops that had all that flavor to them, but, um, you know, it used to be something amazing and, and now it's kind of, kind of standard to me. <laughs> so this is the, we, we were talking in the interim a little bit about the curse of being a big buyout. Once a brewery gets taken over, then things do change and maybe economies of scale and things get applied and, and, and pressure is put on, um, raw materials, etc. Um, but tell us, take us back to the ballast point that you turned up to. What, what would that look like? What was it? It was just like a little shop front. I mean, it was like any small homebrew store you walk into, um, kind of like Grin and Grape in, in Yaraville. Um, they have, you know, a few aisles of supplies and, you know, the yeast cabinet, um, the yeast cooler or whatever. And 
you know, a lot of home brewers went there to buy their supplies and, and nothing else. And then um, the, the owner there kind of saw craft beer taking off and he, he started having a few of his uh, recipes that he'd been working on in the craft um, at the, the shop there and um, put them on tap for, for people to try and people really, really liked them and then just kind of grew from there and got out of control here pretty quick. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, from, from very early on, it was just a very, very small shop and then had a few large fermenters in the back and just kept growing and growing and multiple spaces in San Diego. And then obviously their, their takeover not too long ago. See, I did not realize that Ballast Point was a homebrew shop. Yep. Uh, that is an incredible story. Um, no pressure on grain and grape in Yarraville <laughs> to, uh, I know they do, uh, uh, they have a little tap in there to uh, promote their different um, homebrew beers and the, and fresh kits and things like that. Um, but if you're listening, uh, <laughs> Ballast Point, I mean, uh, the, the success from that point on. But you're saying that really, that success is down to the, their bravery and their uh, in their brewing and, mm-hmm. and actually putting on some beers that were so um, on the front foot and. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people said that Sculpin was so great is because it was developed in a homebrew shop where they had access to, you know, 100 different types of hops. So it wasn't like a brewery is typically ordering in 5 to 10 to maybe 15 tops worth of hops. Um, so they, they had access to everything. They had access to lots of different yeasts. They had access to lots of different hops. And I think they kind of, you know, made the witch's brew and threw everything into a batch and came up with this amazing beer. And um, it, it was just extremely unique and great tasting so it was it was pretty easy for them to, to grow from there because they had this this um you know this very unique ipa that uh no one else had at the time um none of the other big guys had anything like it in terms of the flavor profile what what was the um when you're buying beers in the u.s now you go to a bar in the u.s you've maybe got a choice of 30 different beers at an average pub if you walk into a pub and they've only got 20 beers you're sad which is the opposite of australia mm. <laughs> um partly that's down to the scale of what's happening over there but also is the is the really what is the demand are people like the american people really pushing are they really asking for a really avant-garde beer or yeah. is this just say like is this just a bar saying we've got 30 beers on and probably they throw quite a bit of it away well, I think I think people have really embraced craft beer in the United States, you know, especially like California. But, um, you know, there's so many breweries now across the, the nation. But um, to me, I, I really just realized it was so mainstream when I started seeing like middle aged mothers going into, you know, a bar and ordering an IPA. Like I was like, really? OK, that's pretty cool. Um, even at places like, you know, Disneyland and California Adventure, they have you know IPAs there on tap and. Um, people order them all, all different types of people order them so it really is mainstream especially in California and you know, the west coast and east coast but you know all over the nation there's there's just so many breweries and so much to queue up with but it's a lot of good fresh craft beer options and um, that's never a bad thing and I think you know people have definitely realized that you know fresh tastes better and um, you know there's plenty of offerings so go, go find what you like and, and drink it. I think that's the day that we're waiting for in certainly in Melbourne is being able to go to the MCG and get some local, yeah. good quality fresh beer, um, and maybe keep the price the same because for a mid strength, I think it's about eight dollars or uh-huh. nine dollars for a <laughs> for a pot. So um, 
choice five. Um, so choice five. Uh, so now we're kind of getting away from uh, West Coast hoppy beers a little bit. So uh, my in-laws are from Northern California, and um, I used to go up there to do wine tasting, but being into to beer, you know, I was all over the Lagunitas up there and the Bear Republic and um, the Russian River, you know, Planet of the Elder and all those all those great breweries and beers. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd grab as many balls as I could. I'd bring them back to my in-laws where I was staying for a few days. And um, my, my, my father-in-law is German, and he really likes German beers. So if you open up the fridge in the, the basement, you know, it was all my craft beer bottles and then his German beer bottles. So I kind of, uh, you know, drank those a lot with him, and he drank some of mine. And um, I really started getting into to German beer and even some Belgians. But uh, my next my next choice is a German one, and uh, it's from Weinstefaner, and it's their original Hefeweiss beer. Uh, it's it's a classic. It's from the oldest brewery in the world, and um, you know I really love the the taste of the German yeast, and they're so unique, and it's all about the yeast, and um, that that to me that's why it has so much flavor and. Uh, I'm a big fan of German beers, and I always try and uh, have something on tap that's German because I, I think they they taste so good. We were talking in the interim there just about temperature of beer. Do you like to serve the beer at your place a little bit uh, warmer, or I are you coming against the opposition from, uh, shall we call them, Australians? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think personally I, I like to drink ales you know, slightly warmer than you know, refrigeration, refrigerator temps. Um, but I think, you know, most people are used to lagers, which are served at a colder temperatures in, uh, in Australia. So it, it is tough to put a warmer beer in front of someone because they instantly notice that, why isn't it super cold? cold? I'm used to beer being super cold. Um, but, you know, over time, they'll kind of learn that, hey, there's a lot more flavor here when it warms up. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a really cold beer to be enjoyable. Um, but ales are designed to, to be a little bit more warm to get all the flavor from the yeast and the, the hops and the malt. So, you know, it, it'll happen in Australia. I'm confident that it will. But um, I kind of serve my beers in between. They're definitely colder than I normally would, but I think I have to considering the, the current market. Well, I think, um, Casey, you're right at the coal face here, and you get the ultimate in... Um, customer reaction you can mm. see their faces when they try the beer or for, for good or for bad mm-hmm. and then you can change or you can adapt or more probably more importantly is that you can educate you can have that conversation uh, has that happened a lot in the last three months or so yeah yeah for sure I mean it's I think it's a big part of what we do here and our success so far and um, why we get so many return customers is because they like the experience like being able to talk to the person that's making the beer and you know I purchased the ingredients myself and I can talk to them about that process and um, I'm happy to walk anyone through. I mean, obviously, it's a short brewery tour here because you don't have far <laughs> to go, but <laughs> you know, I'm happy to open the hood, so to speak, on the equipment and kind of show them around. And um, yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty unique experience that the person serving them is the person that's done everything so far with that beer from start to finish. We know that lots of people will come to uh, your brewery here and enjoy the beers. Have you ever had anyone who's really turned their nose up at the beers and uh, you've had to... I think we had a we had a pretty long streak of um, no complaints, but the other day we were hosting a, a private event in here and um, one of the, the, the individuals who had one of my beers um, is, is the Red Rue IPA and 
and it's it's really one of our top sellers and very popular. But she said, I thought it said red poo. Uh, that's what it tastes like. I was like, okay, okay. it's a little bit harsh, but um, if that's what you believe, maybe you should try a different beer. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's really the only one I've had so so far, but it was kind of funny. That's good Good to hear that she would be the only complainant. So um, so I think we're on choice six. Yeah, I think We're so. on the final choice. So we've generally stayed in the USA. We've taken a, sh- a short trip over to Europe for the uh, the German... Wheat beer, and now choice six. Yeah. What is the final beer? So I think, you know, once my interest kind of got sparked into the German beers, um, I was keen to learn, you know, more about what was out there in, term, in terms of the classic old world styles of beer. So, um, you know, after my visits up to my in-laws, I, I w- went back to San Diego. Instead of going to all the, the local breweries, I went to the, the international bottle shop and started you know, loading my cart up with the 750 mil bottles of uh, Belgian beers and French beers and you know German beers and even some Russian beers like anything I could get my hands on that was that was different and then you know, invite a group of people over we would crack open a bottle pass it around pour some cups uh, you know get through all these bottles and then you know go back to the ball store and do it again the following weekend so we got through quite a few different beers and I really started falling in love with some of the the farmhouse style French ales and and the Belgian ales but um Le Chouf just really kind of has that that great yeast profile that I like from a Belgian beer um so that that's my that's my final choice um it's their Blondale that uh, you get in 750 mil uh format and um you know I, it's just a classic uh yeast flavor from Belgium and a few years ago I, I made it to Belgium myself and kind of went all over um crazy for beer and and trying all the different types I could find on, on draft there that I couldn't get back home. And um, so I, I, have a, I have a deep appreciation for old, wor- old world styles of beer, especially Belgian and German. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my, my last and final pick. And I'm actually using uh, that yeast in one of my upcoming brews. So it, it is one of my favorite. Excellent. Tell us about the upcoming brew. Well, it's, we it's want the, a scoop on the uh, chosen <laughs> brew podcast. It, it's the Belgian triple that I, I kind of talked about earlier with uh, American IPA twist. Um, so I, I've ordered the yeast and it's coming from the U.S. Uh, via FedEx this week. Um, I, I should get it either by the end of this week, if not really next week. And then I, I plan on, on brewing it here in the next you know, few days. And uh, I'll have it on offer here, I'd say, in probably three to four weeks. So uh, please stay tuned for that and, and come down and check it out when it's ready. But I promise it'll, it'll be a little bit of uh, what people are used to in terms of the hoppier styles here, but then also a little bit different in a classic Belgian triple uh, yeast and, 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 and malt. Fantastic. Look forward to tasting that one. We do also ask uh, all our guests to give a perfect beer snack. What is the beer snack to accompany these six beers? Well, I mean, being an American, um, you know, I'd probably say something disgusting and chemical-induced that <laughs> most Americans eat, but um, I decided to, to say something different because I think it's usually something that I do seek out, and and uh, if I had easier access to it, I'd probably eat it every day, which is like a, a German uh, soft pretzel. Um, they're a little bit harder to, to get, you know, on an everyday basis. So at, at the brewery, I, I do serve like kind of a standard pretzel on offer complimentary. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a real big fan of pretzels and beer. Yeah, there is a nice thing about your brewery here that when you come and you have a tasting paddle or a pint, you'll come over and 
and drop a little dish of uh, pretzels there. So um, I know uh, certainly when I came with my American friend, he was talking about it all the way home. So <laughs> <laughs> it definitely uh, shocks, shocks some people that we passed up out for free. But <laughs> I think it's just you know kind of a nice thank you bonus and um, something good to, to go with the beer because um, I I think. You know, beer is, is, is good by itself, but it's also meant to be enjoyed with food and um, something salty or spicy, you know, usually goes pretty well with hoppy beers. And also we do ask for uh, the perfect recept- receptacle to drink all the beers out of. What is your ideal receptacle? Well, I mean, I, I would like to say the, the traditional German one liter dimpled glasses because I think they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty cool and, and unique and... Um, uh, you know, definitely a fun thing to drink from, but uh, they're a little bit impractical in terms of a, an everyday drinking vessel. So um, away from the one liter, I'd, I'd probably say the, the Spiegelu IPA glasses are probably the ones I use the most. And, and here at the brewery, we, we kind of have a, um, a different version of that, more of a generic version here for our, our schooner pours. So, um, but it, it kind of has that same shape of the, the, the Spiegelu IPA glass. So that probably be my pick. It is a beautiful glass. Um, I, I don't think you should do it on practical terms, though. If you want a German beer massa, <laughs> then I think you should go for it, if only for uh, your fitness <laughs> to build those biceps up. So, um, Casey, can we find you online? Can we look up uh, Westside Works? Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely online, westsideelworks.com.au. And then, you know, we're all over social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the above. Um, so yeah you can definitely find us online excellent we'll put all those uh, links in the show notes uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you Casey so um, and if you're around in South Melbourne area or in the CBD it's a great hideaway come and see Casey try some of his beers and eat some of his free pretzels (laughs) (laughs) so please do (laughs) thanks Casey thank you Ian so that was it Casey Wagner from Westside Works considering Casey as a self-confessed man of few words. What a great conversation that was. And he just had great insight and clear passion for what he does. And um, I have a lot of respect for anyone who's brave enough to take that step from being a home brewer into the professional space. And it's just lovely to see a uh, setup like Casey's at Westside Works. It's just off Montague Street in South Melbourne, so very close to public transport and South Melbourne market. And uh, really looking forward to the types of beers that he brings out in the future. So I'm sure you'll keep a close eye on what's going on at Westside Works. In the next episode, I am speaking to Dan and Steve, better known in the beer world as Tallboy and Moose, who I went and visited a wonderful venue in Preston and had just the best conversation about beer. My goodness, so full of knowledge, so full of passion. This is going to be an absolute bumper episode. So make sure you subscribe so that you get that one to your device as soon as it comes out for free. Make sure you also share the podcast with your friends There's links on Twitter of how all the different ways you can listen. And we also have a Chosen Brew Facebook page, which you can like and follow. And we'll put some different things on there as well. So any news, you can stay updated. And probably the most important one is that you 
go now and leave a five-star review um, on iTunes because apparently that's what counts and I don't really know how or why. Um, but that's one all the other podcasts say is important. So I'm guessing it's important. So that would be lovely for you to do that. You can do that from your device. So you can do it um, via the iTunes website as well. Just search the Chosen Brew podcast and then you'll see a review tab on the top. And then you can type nice things. And between all that, hopefully you find a time to have a good quality beer. And I can't wait to share the next beer journeys with you. Thanks for listening to The Chosen Brew. I'll speak to you soon.